And we're going to be talking with B.J. Ward, the Red Hawks freshman guard. He's going to join us here in just a little bit. And, of course, we're talking with head coach Brad Korn. How are things, Coach? Uh, we are coming down the stretch here. Yeah, things are good. I'm actually in the process of texting B.J. right now so he knows to come to uh, Jackson instead of Cape like I did. So he'll be here. Now, but... what are you saying? You say, you're saying that you went to Cape instead of Jackson? Is this is this what we're hearing? That's that's, that's accurate. Okay. That's accurate. I, I went to the, the uh, Cape Wings location and uh, walked in and didn't see any of the setup and said, uh-oh. Well, how fast did you drive? There's a trooper sitting right out here in the parking lot. I was curious. He may have followed me. <laughs> he, he might have followed me. He might be waiting for the show to get over with. And uh, he needs to come on in, have some lunch, and then whatever he's got to do afterwards, we can have a conversation. All right. So, hey, we do want to pass this along to you involving SEMO Athletics. We've got a schedule change uh, with the baseball home opener tomorrow against Murray State at 3 o'clock. Uh, it will not be played tomorrow at 3 o'clock. They are moving the game to Wednesday at 3, where the weather's even better. We're supposed to have 67 degrees and sunshine Wednesday. 3 o'clock first pitch, Red Hawks and the Murray State Racers. And the reason for the change, Murray State uh, was hosting, and it's always uh, it's always a roll of the dice opening weekend. If you're in uh, the Midwest, you want to host games, well, you're susceptible to the weather. Well, Murray State was hosting uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne, and unfortunately, it was freezing over in Murray, Kentucky. So Friday they didn't play. They didn't play Saturday. So they played a doubleheader yesterday. They finished their series today. And rather than play again three straight days and four games in three days, what they've decided to do, they requested uh, if SEMO could move it to Wednesday, give the racers a day off. They have agreed. So it'll be Wednesday at 3 o'clock, the home opener. SEMO just uh, was down in Dallas, Texas over the weekend the red hawk men's basketball team just finished their illinois road trip next to last road trip of the year coach uh, you've got one more road trip coming up uh, and it will be a tough one as you head to moorhead state and then southern indiana what i think is interesting before we uh, we start talking about your ball club all of the sudden moorhead state who was 11 and 1 have suddenly lost two in a row, and all of a sudden, everybody's back in play. You've got three teams right now with four losses. UT Martin, Western Illinois, and Little Rock, and Moorhead has to go to Western Illinois. That's going to be a big showdown. Uh, All of a sudden, you've got teams. Now, Moorhead has lost two in a row. UT Martin has won three straight. Western, back-to-back wins, and Little Rock has won five consecutive games. We're in flux now. It looked like Moorhead may run away. Not so fast, my friend. We've got a race here. Yeah, it's, um, you know, that's what dis- or, uh, frustrates you more than it disappoints you about uh, the way our season has gone to this point, but also that there's a whole lot of basketball left to be played for us as well. So just goes to show you anything can happen if you put yourself in position, if you're playing well, if you're playing, you know, the best brand of basketball that you can play at the end of the season. Uh, like Martin and Little Rock are playing right now. It's not always who you play, but when you play them. And unfortunately for us, is uh, those, both those teams are two hottest teams in the league right now. So uh, we played well on Saturday. Edwardsville did everything except win the game and a few plays here and there, but we did not give ourselves a chance against Eastern Illinois. So, again, just a, a microcosm of how our season has gone up and down, inconsistencies, uh, looking around for some stor- sort of stability. Uh, but we had it on Saturday. We just didn't close the deal. And, again, if we could ever have just found some, some continuity and some consistency, you know, you find a way to close those games out. It just seems like every game, uh, Little Rock, uh, 
Western Illinois, Edwardsville, we play well enough to win the game and just can't make enough plays uh, to pull one out on the road. But our, our kids battled. They competed. Um, put our, gave ourselves a chance. You know, we were right there. Played really, really well, uh, really well. And to bounce back, and, again, that's been the – I know it probably sounds like a broken record, and if you say, I was like, well, Coach, you can always say these guys practice well. Why can't you win games? It's, so it, it's just they've practiced hard. They've been resilient. They've come back every single time. Um, but we just we've been so inconsistent when the when the ball has gone up in the air from seven to nine p.m. Uh, to where it's hard to find your footing in those games like that. So um, you know, again, played really well on Saturday, c- competed, battled, uh, bounced back. We had workouts this morning and, and guys went hard. So the, the attitude is there. The, the the work ethic is there. We just have not been able to to close the deal in games. And um, and now here it is, two games at home left. Two on the road, nothing's easy, nothing's easy in life. Uh, but, again, we've been – Saturday, I keep saying it every show, it seems like on Mondays there, because we'll have a good one Thursday or a bad one Saturday. We'll have a good one Thursday and a bad one Saturday. You know, if we would have played the same – Tennessee Tech uh, just over a week ago, we played the best game we've played all season long. And then we, we starstruck a little bit or dazed a little bit against TSU at home, and then we finally wake up, but we ran out of time. And then they go and lose at Tech by 20. So what sense does any of this make other than you have to take care of yourself, you have to show up and play every single game? And if we do that, we're going to put ourselves in the conversation to win these games and get into the OVC tournament. And then, again, as you mentioned at the top, there's not a whole lot of separation. I don't care what the records say. And we've played well against all teams in the league to this point except for Martin and Moorhead, and both those teams still left on the schedule. All right, so uh, I was in Dallas, Texas with a baseball team over the weekend, so I, I did not get to to see all of the games that you did. The two games that you played, I saw bits and pieces uh, when we were on the bus on Thursday and on Saturday after the game. I was following, you know, what was going on, live stats, and uh, got back to the hotel. Uh, and so I was following things, but I did not get to watch every play, so – uh, just going to go by everything that I have studied from what happened in the game, starting with uh, SIU Edwardsville. Your thoughts on the start that you got off to? Because with 6:48 to play in the first half, you had a 15-point lead. You're up 32 to 17. Take us from tip-off to 32-17. Yeah, I just got off to a great start. We switched the lineup up. Um, you know, I, I thought those guys came with some some energy, some great energy. Uh, put ourselves in, in a great position. We had a great little game plan to start with. I think that put Edwardsville back on their heels, and we did that on purpose. It's their senior night. They've got four straight on the road now to close out league play, which is you don't see that very often. So you knew they were going to come in with a bunch of energy and a bunch of juice for their uh, last home game. So to kind of throw them off kilter, give them something they weren't going to expect, different lineup, different defensive scheme to start the game. So I think that gave us a bunch of energy early. And for those who don't know, when you say different lineup, Aquan Smart came off the bench. Rob Martin came off the bench, and Braxton Stacker came off the bench. So it was BJ and Adam. And Adam. So it's BJ Ward, TJ Beal, Evan Ursher, Marquez Bell, uh, and Bell just had 17 against Eastern Illinois. So I think uh, to anybody's uh, viewpoint, he'd earned his opportunity maybe to get some more minutes and maybe even make the starting lineup, and that's what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, I told the guys, you know, I'm just like I've told you, I'm pretty open, pretty transparent. You know, I, I'm, I'm not above criticisms or anything like that. And I tell the guys the same thing, and open doors, closed doors. Now, there's some, obviously, dirty laundry you don't always air sure. because that's, you know, there are certain trust rules that have to stay within the circle, if you will. So, um, but I don't, I'm not doing my job if I – 
don't reward Marquez Bell and the effort that he's had for the whole sustained part of the season. You know, early it was tough. Freshman, it's hard uh, to find your way, and for Kez is a little bit harder um, just finding his niche. Uh, but that young man has come to practice every single day. We do little sprints to start practice. He wins the sprints every time. He kept a great attitude. He keeps on coming. And then when he got his number called, he produced. So who am I as a coach to, to stop that or to not reward that? And so he earned that. You know, that young man earned that, and, and he produced. You know, his number was called, and he had a great game against Edwardsville, and now he gets named freshman of the week, uh, and deservedly so. So I just felt we needed a, a different change and a, a different uh, juice about us, the way to start. And, uh, shake us up a little bit, and again, our team, our roster. You know, coaches always say it doesn't matter who starts, who finishes the game. Well, if that was the case, well, why don't the starter should finish the game? So starting kind of does matter. You know, I don't know why everyone says that it doesn't matter. It matters because well, why would you start a certain way but not finish the way? If you're going to finish with a certain roster, why wouldn't you start with that roster? You know, if the first five minutes of the game aren't important, but every coach talks about the first five minutes of the second half are so important. So everything's important. Everything matters guy like Kez Bell, guy like BJ, no matter what, though, in this particular season in this team, everybody gets an opportunity for the most part to play. And so now who is going to produce in those minutes is the one who gets the lion's share of those minutes. So um, mix it up, got off to a great start. Uh, we had a bunch of energy, and I give those other guys credit. You know, it was his most active I've seen Adam Larson outside of just shooting the basketball. You've got to be able to do more than just shoot the basketball. I can't run a play for you every single time down the floor. That's why you need teammates. That's why you need point guards. You know, Adam's not one of those guys we can just run a play to every single time for him to shoot a three. We're not, that's not a good recipe for success either. So uh, it was the most active I've seen him just getting deflections, getting rebounds, guarding your position. And if people didn't see the game, they may look at the box score. Okay, Larson didn't start. He had six points in the game. Um, he had one rebound, one assist, and one steal in the game. They may say, okay, it's just a, you know, it's just a game for Adam Larson. But you're going more in-depth, and you're saying, I liked what I saw out of Adam Larson. Yeah, I did. And, again, his stat line wasn't any really different than what his other ones have been. But, again, his engagement level, his activity, his deflections, uh, Coach Strom, our, our, one of our assistants, he keeps a play-hard chart. And that charts charges taken, deflections, and all those types of things. It shows, it's another metric to show what is your energy level. And that was the highest for him individually, Adam, that it's been in a week or two. And so, again, it just give him credit. Give uh, Aquan credit, Rob. Those guys all coming in. Because a lot of guys can get down and have some self-pity and all that and create issues. And they didn't do that. It was all about winning. It was all about competing against Edwardsville. And we put ourselves in a good position to be up 15 at the under eight, which fell at the 647. So they come out of that media. They make both free throws. So it's 13-point game. And they come, they come out into a zone out of that timeout. And then we got great looks. BJ had a three. Braxton had a three. TJ got the ball in the high post twice. Aquan got in the high post and dumped it down to Adam at the rim, and he just he fumbled the catch. So we got the ball in spots we didn't convert. And then really the main thing or the biggest issue I saw with it going back and watching film was that at that point, you know, we're up 13, 15. They make the two free throws coming out of it, Eric, but it was, they had 19 points then. And then they finished the half with 39. So you're talking about 20 points in a six-and-a-half-minute stretch. Now, some of that was Rayshon Taylor got loose and got hot, and we know he can do that, and we lost him a couple times. And we've talked many times about he how he can take over a game. I mean, you neutered him yeah. at the show-me center. I mean, he was not a factor. Right. Different thing on his home court. Where, I mean, he, he's one of those heat-check guys. Yeah, absolutely. And in Minor, his first three that Minor hit was, was Steph Curry range. And so you live with some of that. Um, you live with some of that. And, 
it just it got choppy. We got a little bit. We lost a little bit of our rhythm, and unfortunately, that's kind of what has happened to us a lot this season. You know, we've talked about it before. We got to that six-minute mark in the first half, and then we don't close the way that we need to, and then we give up. So even another team is going to make a run. You know, you're not going to just oh, well, why didn't you just you were up 15, you should just went up 30, you should went up 45, you should have won by 60. It's like well, that, that's not how that works. Well, let's calm down. Yeah, that's, right, it's not college basketball. But all all that said, we should have gone into halftime up six, up eight. You know, we should have controlled the last six minutes. Um, but the game got a little bit choppy, got away from us in moments. Uh, we came down, had a, a, a bad possession, and we missed some open shots. And so then they came down and made their little run. So, again, so now it's at that six to eight-point mark. I took a timeout under four to get the media because things were starting to slip. Evan gets hit in the face, and his eye puffs up, and Rayshon gets loose and hits a three. Well, now you go from 11 to eight. And so that kind of just was a, that, again, it's the Crouch same Crouch into thing. it, Taylor's you know, feeling it. And, and then you get Miner getting downhill. And then we gave up offensive rebounds, which at the end of the day, if we would have rebounded the ball better, uh, and then it come down to the last two minutes. We've got to execute better offensively, but really the rebounding. We did a good. We did enough. Uh, we got enough defensive stops to where if we rebound the basketball, you should have been up six points or so. And now it comes down to making your free throws because they have to foul. So, all that said, Eric, we got down in the second half. Our kids didn't fold. And we, I think we got down five or six. Came back, take the lead again. Up. Uh, I think it was up six, maybe with three minutes to go after Rob hits two free. You're throws. You're up six with two forty-five to play. They hit a bucket with 244, and they finished the game on a 10-0 run. You did not score in the final three minutes. What, what, what did you see there? Yeah, we just uh, again turnovers, you know, and then it's um, costly ones and, and a missed shot. How much know. of that is? It's the end of the game. Their defensive intensity is going to be as high as it is yeah. has been all game. And maybe that turned things around for them. It, it was, and they were both teams. We were, it was a it was a really good college basketball game. Um, good good energy in the building, good environment. Um, and again, we we had it right where we needed to, and we went empty, four straight possessions, and and that's, you know, that's the that's the ball game. We got Rob got on the switch, so they were mixing defenses. They were in a zone, then they went man to man, then they were switching man to man. So a lot of different moving pieces and parts to it, and. In those possessions, though, we got a switch. Rob got their big guy on him and drew him out and got to his spot as a, as a pull-up jump shot. Uh, he missed that. I thought it was going to bounce back in. Stack was right there for offensive rebound. We just didn't get that rebound. We didn't close that possession. Next time down, Rob is right on the seam. Um, and actually where Adam Larson hit a huge three a couple plays before that to put us up six or to put us up five or, or four. And then Rob made the two free throws to put us up six. But... Marquez was on the opposite side of the floor and going to be in the exact same position that Adam had his three on before. And and Rob had played really well to that point. I think he had 13 and nine assists at that point. Only had two turnovers on the game, but that last turnover was crucial because he, he gets along the baseline. Again, he, he, they were switching, so he's got a big guy on him. If he just keeps his dribble, one more dribble. If he doesn't lose that ball out of bounds, he's going to see the whole side of the floor with that with Kez on the backside. Ball goes off his foot turnover now all the momentum has shifted now next time down the floor we get the ball to josh early on that right block where he's so effective he's trying to make a move make a move and he, he loses his balance and he and he loses the ball uh, and so again you've got the ball in position where you need it with those two guys at the time that if you said hey okay brad where would you want the ball in this scenario this situation is like well up to under a minute left or a minute and a half left out Let's give it to Josh early on that left block and or right block, and let's see what he can do. You know, you, you put him in position to have success, and 
unfortunately, those possessions get magnified when you don't close on the other end. Um, and so, again, if we close possessions the way that we need to defensively, now we can get out in transition. They can't set their defense as much because, as you said, now it's a different animal. Most times a referee is going to swallow a whistle, let you play a little bit, let the game you know, finish out on a physical note, and that's unfortunately what happened is we did not get good shots on goal the last two minutes. You know, that's, it's not a big arena, the Vidalabine Center, but it's a nice, cozy arena. And when they get a good crowd, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a fun little atmosphere to play in, right? I mean, I, I, it was. It was. It was pretty, it was pretty loud in there. Um, again, I have no idea what, how many people were in there, but it felt like a, a real live uh, event, real live basketball game. 2,233. Yeah, so pretty solid. Yeah. You know, and they've done some things to the part, the upper deck uh, part of that for some fan and, and family experience type things. So, uh, but just a great basketball game. And, again, I think you see some of those turnovers to where, you know, in the first half it's it's just a regular type of a game, ebb and flow. But now in the last two minutes that crowd gets involved, there's a different type of, of energy. And I don't want to say pressure, but, uh, you know, those possessions start to get weighted a little bit more. Well, I mean, it is pressure. There is pressure yeah. late in games in college athletics. And so, again, how many times have we seen Josh just not get a shot up on that right block? You know, not I mean, very often. How often do you see Rob just dribble down off his foot? And like, you know, and so there is, there is some of that that went into it, and unfortunately we didn't make those plays. And so now the last two minutes, you have a little drought here and there, but now the last two minutes to not get shots up in those two critical possessions, uh, that you really shoot yourself in the foot. And then to end the game on an illegal screen was kind of tough to – that was a tough pill to swallow. Okay. I, you know, obviously I wasn't there. Explain, explain that play. So we – I can't remember if they score or we foul, but they go up to with 12 seconds left. We get it out, and I had a timeout left, and I actually I called. The ref was right next to me, and I was like, timeout, and he's like, you want it, you know, because they'll double-check with you, and, and so I that was good and officiating on, on his part. Um, you know, I hope it's the same way. If you don't have any timeouts and you call one, they say, hey, you don't have any, you know, so you hope you get it both ways. Uh, but typically they'll look out for you have that way. Have you seen way. that happen before where official, let me give you a little heads up like they did not do for Chris Weber? Um, I have not seen that. Okay. I have not seen that very much. Um, but I did say timeout twice, uh, and then each time he's like, you want it? And then, I, of course, there's action going, and I see Rob probing. And, again, with the way that they had been switching defenses, and we've talked so about this. So the clock's that. running, and he's not granting you a timeout even though you've called it? Correct. Correct. Um, How's that work? But I wasn't, again, though, no, I'm not trying to blame the official. I, sure. I was okay with that because okay. he's like, you want it, and I could have just said, yes, timeout. You know, or I could have been more emphatic. Uh, emphatic with it of like timeout 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 and it was more of timeout and he's like you want it and i kind of i'm seeing i'm watching obviously i'm watching rob kind of probe and we're basically in a la southern indiana like letting them play sometimes that's the best when the defense can't be set sure so i'm letting that play out and so now the clock's ticking clock's ticking and i'm then it gets you know down to seven six it's like well now you got to go to a special situation if you call timeout now and now if the special situation play doesn't work and you and they blow your play up, and now you don't even get a shot off. And so now you're just – at that point, you just got to let it play out. So Josh comes up to set a ball screen, and they call a legal screen on Josh with three mm-hmm. seconds, two seconds left. What did you see on video? Uh, again, I, I, I just would have – Borderline? I, first play of the game, calling it every time. And that type of a game, a back and forth, great atmosphere. Yes, it's an illegal screen by rule, uh, but – 
if we're going to do that, then we're never going to get through the game. These games are going to take five hours because I just Conference I thought it was, tournament, NCAA tournament, I they don't, don't make that call is what you're saying. I don't think so, or it ends up like Creighton did a year ago, a questionable call, and it blows up on social media because it's like, man, really, for the game, that's what we're going to call? It wasn't one of these egregious, sure. just laid a guy out. It was a little bit of a shoulder. And, again, it was a, it was a foul more times than not. I Just in that situation, I just thought the kid should be able to decide the game, uh, not the free throw line. But. All that said, if we get rebounds, we don't turn the basketball over, it doesn't get to that play. So uh, not blaming anyone or anything. So, I mean, when you, when you just look at it, it's the, it's the ball off the foot, it's the lost ball by early, and then the offensive foul. That, is, that goes down in the turnover column. Yeah, yeah, and really until that point, uh, and I don't know. I typically you had nine know. turnovers until those, three, those final three late. I don't know how many assists. I know Rob had nine, but total. I don't Seven. Know. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, 17 of your 31 field goals you assisted on. Yeah, so, I mean, that's – and then when we've had success, so you go back to even a week ago, uh, not this past week, but the week prior, Tech in TSU, I think it was something like 35 and thirty-five and 12 we were assist turnover. So we're, when we assist, we're, we give ourselves a chance. When we don't assist, and you can look at Eastern Illinois box score, it was atrocious. And so, again, that's not the brand of basketball that we can afford to play and have success. So, again, to your point, take out those last three turnovers. When you can't, when you absolutely cannot turn the basketball over, you know, you're talking six, 17 assists and six turnovers on the road. Uh, you take that any day of the week. Yeah, it was 15 assists and 14 turnovers at Eastern Illinois, which always, it's really interesting in college basketball, like, those are the numbers you had against Eastern Illinois, and then you see the numbers against SIUE. And SIUE is, let's face it, they're better than Eastern Illinois. Yeah, and it just, and again, it's, it's just kind of been our way with this team this year. It's just been up and down and um, just a, in inconsistencies as far as taking care of the basketball, inconsistencies in defensive effort, inconsistencies in rebounding, turnover. Just we have been trying to just plug holes, and I don't know if we've ever really captured our true identity or or, or buy in completely to what makes us have success and when you're doing that throughout the season then you're just kind of living and dying on every possession we've talked about it at length it's just the cold hard facts of where you're at the margin for us isn't that great and so again to and again with young people and new roles it it takes a little bit of time and unfortunately injuries and injuries to older guys and not having certain guys out there it, it pushed a guy like bj ward and rob and stack and tj and all these guys have to be something that they probably wouldn't have had to been this early in the season or in their career because they could have watched and seen from older guys and uh, so that's why it's been nice to see josh have the success that he's had of late uh, because he, he's leading by example and uh, we needed more of that but all's not lost still four games left to go and uh, I mean, you talk about momentum. You talk about playing your best at the end. You find a way on Thursday. You find a way on Saturday and a bunch of momentum heading into the weekend. Put yourself in the conversation for March basketball. That's That's got to be our focus because it's still a lot left out there for us. Because once you get in, again, like you talked about at the Open, you get in, anything, anything can happen. So also, and we'll continue to talk about this season. Nobody's given up on this season when I ask you this question. But going forward, obviously you got to replace Josh Early. Do you need to bring in a shooter? I mean, just a flat-out shooter. It seems like every team you play, they've got one guy, he's in there. That he might be able to do a few other things, but they've got a guy that just can shoot it. You've got guys that can shoot it, uh, but 
is that a focus, or do you think, nah, I think we've got enough shooters on this team? No, I think I think more than anything, um, Eric, as we look at roster, unfortunately, you used to call it recruiting. You now got to look at it kind of like roster management, uh, right. unfortunately, just the way everything is. But um, I think guys have to get better. You know, I think we have to do better as coaches as, as it relates in the offseason to player development. Um, but I think you also have to have a, a score, uh, somebody that can score and, and IQ. And I, I think if you go to just shooting, you're going to pigeonhole yourself. Uh, we need more production. I think we have enough shooting. Evan Ursher can really shoot the basketball. It, t- it took him a little while at the start of this season. Now, really, the last month of the season, he has shot it at a high, high clip and opened the game at Edwardsville with two threes. Um, out of high school, B.J. Ward can could really shoot and has not shot it well this year. So now in the offseason, B.J. Ward has got to take shooting extremely serious. And so in, in some of that is just for him as a freshman of playing um, and seeing live action and having your feet ready and taking every rep as serious as you can take it. So, so what you, you need, production. You, 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 you need a guy late in a game that can Absolutely. just go get you a bucket. I mean, late in the game, Chris Harris could go get yeah. a bucket. Phil Russell could go get a bucket. Yeah. Uh, and let's know. not discredit Israel Barnes. Yeah. You know, if you gave it the ball to Israel Barnes on the right wing and with his right hand, he was going to find a way to get to the basket. And he had scored. He averaged 19 points a game at his previous school. So I think we just need to get older. I look at last year's team, and it doesn't – you don't base everything this year or in the future based upon the one year that you had with a particular group. But Chris Harris was a six-year senior. Nate Johnson was a fifth-year senior. Israel Barnes was a fifth-year senior. Those guys have played a ton of – I look at Edwardsville. Rayshon Taylor's played more college minutes probably than anybody on our roster He's combined. been in the OVC since the late 90s. <laughs> and the Wright Twins. Yeah. They've started every game since they were freshmen. And so you're talking about a lot of minutes. You can't – That's what, that was my point, and we, we – stubbed our toe and hit our head against Lindenwood and it's put us in this bind and I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit Lindenwood by any stretch but it doesn't matter if you're Division 2, Division NAI Riley Mace is probably if Moorhead wins the league going to be player of the year and he's playing NAI basketball a year ago so levels these days don't really mean as much NAI, you know, I played for three years at NAI yeah it's yeah. about production and have you produced at that level and so the longer you're in college especially with this COVID year you know and that's where Chris was Chris is six, he's Chris was 24 years. Think of Chris Harris. B.J. Ward had a guard, Chris Harris. Well, that's an 18-year-old. It might be 17-year-old against a 24-year-old. So B.J. may be more talented than a particular person, but if that guy's 24 years old, he's going to know a few things and angles. And, you know, there's a big difference in that. So level and record doesn't necessarily matter as much when you start talking about an extra COVID year or a senior versus a freshman. That's a big deal. And that's where we found ourselves this year without Kobe, without Dylan consistently, without Aquan being a little bit more consistent from a production standpoint. That's where we found ourselves now is relying on some younger guys uh, that don't have that bark. They don't have that experience. And, um, but they keep on coming. They've made progress. I think two weeks ago, B.J. Ward had the best stretch of his basketball career, which is hard as a, as a freshman to do in February. And now you see Marquez doing it as a freshman, playing the way he's playing. So they're, they're, they're coming, but unfortunately, we weren't old enough at the right time in order to compete against the people that we needed to, then that's why we get close but don't have enough to close. So moving forward, we need to find a way to get a little bit older. Well, not need to find a way. There's a way. We need to get a little bit older with a little bit more production. So, again, it doesn't have to just rely on one guy. We don't have to just rely on Josh Early, who's now played late in the game, 26 minutes at the center position, 
you're going to be a little bit fatigued and gassed. And so if we're just depending upon him and not a David Idot or a Mason Hanback or whoever that next guy may be, we haven't done our part in that in helping him so he doesn't have to carry the whole load. And I think when you look at that team from a year ago uh, that won a championship, Phil Russell was great in the regular season. Chris was second team in our league. But in the OVC tournament, Chris Harris was pushing the charge. MVP. If, if it's not for Israel Barnes and Dylan Branson and Nate Johnson, we don't win. So you have to have a full group and a full team, but and you also have to be a great teammate. And I think Nate Johnson, everything he may not have had in the stat sheet per se, unbelievable teammate, new defensive assignment, but also a very high basketball IQ. So a combination of all those things, but we do have to get older with production, there's no doubt. So Marquez Bell, uh, 17 off the bench against Eastern Illinois. Uh, so he gets a start. Seven of ten from the floor, two of three from three, hit both of his free throws, 18 points, four assists, three rebounds, three steals in a game for Marquez Bell. What can you tell us about the development of Marquez? Uh, What's the ceiling for this guy? You know what? I don't know, uh, to be quite honest with you, because he's still just a ball of clay as it relates to what his ceiling could be. Needs to get stronger. Yeah, and I most think freshmen do, right? Yeah, and he'll continue to because he's a pretty, pretty physical kid. Uh, he's not soft, high motor, high character. You know, actually, I texted his dad on the way here um, and just thanked him for who they are as people and as a family. Now, we, uh, the vehicle was in park. Right? We want to make sure you, you didn't text and drive. Yeah, well, it also yeah. may be why the troopers out there. I don't know. Um, yeah, um, but. So you're touching base with his dad. Well, just because the kid, he was freshman of the week this week. And so it's a testament to his family. And they don't get caught up in that. Actually, his dad, I think, even told him he put up something on social media earlier in the season. His dad kind of said, hey, take that down. That You guys lost. Those are the types of people. you know. You, I think too, too many times we blame people in society. We blame kids in society. It's like, well, where, does kids, where do kids learn anything from? If my daughters act crazy in public, it's not, it's not their fault. It's probably their dad let them do it a long time ago you know what i mean so it's like it's, it's not really a secret when kids come here and they have success like a marquez bell whose family whose brother is in the nfl whose brother's at michigan whose dad and mom played and they hold that kid accountable they drive five and a half hours to come to an elite camp when he didn't have an offer and then he comes to the elite camp and all he does is pass and has joy for guys that he just met five minutes ago that's what really we knew who marquez was and he plays for a good AAU team and a good high school coach. But he came to elite camp, Eric, and you just get thrown on a team and you just get out there and kind of play. And how many guys, I'm going to get mine, i got to show everybody what I can do. Exactly. And, and the selfishness in a situation like that. And you're saying he's a, he's he a was pass passing. first guy. He didn't, I don't know if he shot at the elite camp other than when we were doing our drills. So we're playing our five-on-five games, and here's this, you know, we're watching because, again, we obviously we know who the kid is. That's why he was invited. He's out there assisting and, like, Joy, just a joy for the game. Like he passing, they're winning a the game, and he's celebrating. He's not shooting. It's like, and then right after that is when we offered him and brought him back a couple weeks later on his official visit, and thankfully we got him. But it's just those are the types of things. That's that's good recruiting. You know, that's finding that what fits what you're trying to build and do, and uh, just great family, great people. Because you don't get just the kid; you get everything that comes with the kid. And, you know, all those little sayings, you don't, you know, that you get the wrong kind of kid in your locker room, we beat you every day. If we don't get the right type of kid and he goes to some other team, he may beat us twice. But you can't beat yourself every single day. So I'm really happy with Kez and just that he's been able to have that success that he's had. But to your question to start with, he has put in the work every single day. You know, and that's not an easy thing to do. He put in extra weight room hours with Coach Strom in the weight room outside of what our team does. And so he stayed ready. You know, I say, again, 
probably tired of all the little sayings and everything I say, but if you if you stay ready, you have to get ready. And Kez has always stayed ready and um, just a great, great young man, great spirit, very unassuming. It's probably his best quality. He, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And uh, the thing I love about him and his people, um, and I told Kez this in front of the team the other day, is like I probably yell at him more than anybody because he looks you dead in his eye. He says, my bad, coach. He says, yes, sir. And then he just goes and does it the next time. So if you do that consistently time and time and time again, watch what happens. And then watch what happens to Kez's career because of that. And I think it's just going to keep on going up. I was VC Freshman of the Week, Marquez Bell. We're going to talk with B.J. Ward here coming up in uh, just a moment. Uh, tell us about the uh, recruiting process, bringing B.J. here to Seamount. Yeah, we – PJ's going to be one of those guys that uh, by the time he's a senior, he's going to be like, man, I'm tired of looking at you because uh, we we started recruiting him after his sophomore year uh, of high school. So he came down uh, for unofficial visit when actually when Coach McMahon was still here. So uh, that's how long it's kind of feels or been since we've known him. So uh, great high school program, great AAU program. Uh, BJ is a high, high IQ. That's why he's three to one assist turnover uh, as a freshman to be able to have that. He really understands the game. BJ is one of those guys. Not many people can do it, uh, and I can get going too fast, and I probably have to do a better job of that moving forward as I try to communicate to some guys. And, but BJ is that one guy I can be like, hey, BJ, we're running five out swing, but I want to hit the razor, and, and once you do that, you know, let's flip the ball screen when it, on a boomerang back to you, and he'd be like, take him a little bit but he'd be like okay i got you and he can go do that so he has a very high iq point guards quarterbacks in football like you can be if he was able to wear a headset in basketball you could communicate to him that way and he can get guys organized so that's the beautiful thing about uh, bj and um you know we're just going to be on bj and again i talked about kez's family but bj's got a great family too uh, and they want him to be pushed uh, and that's the thing about bj is getting outside of his comfort zone because there's a whole nother player in there uh, with BJ, that we got to, if we tap into that, it's going to be like we got a brand new player uh, because of the things that he can do. And I know he hasn't shot it well statistically uh, this year, but, but from uh, what I understand, you're saying, man, he knocks these shots down at practice. He does, and he, he can. You know, he could shoot the ball. At the beginning of the year, we're talking about how much he could be not just a point guard. He can be off ball because he can shoot the ball and he's got a good IQ. So I think I chalk it up more to just kind of a, just getting acclimated to college basketball at the Division One level as a freshman. Uh, so I don't I don't worry about his shooting moving forward, and um, you know we did workouts this morning and we put him all the way down on the on the end by himself today just to give him even more extra attention, uh, and that's what it's got to be for him moving forward because again like I said there's a whole other player in there that he doesn't even know about yet we see it as coaches and that's our job to drag and pull that out of him and his people his parents his family they want that from him as well so when you have coaches and parents on the same page. You know, you're going to have success. He's going to have success. I don't have any doubt about that moving forward. But it's going to be a process to get there. It's not going to be snap your fingers or happen overnight. You and your coaches see these guys more than anybody else. But just watching them play, and he's just a freshman, I think he's the smoothest player on your roster. He, everything he does, he just kind of glides. He's smooth. You can tell he knows where he yeah. needs to go. I mean, just the smoothness. Sometimes when a guy is – does it effortlessly smooth it looks like is he is he running hard no that's just the way he is man i mean yeah he's going full speed it just looks different with some guy full speed is (laughs) maybe maybe sometimes but uh but that's something we give bj a hard time for all don't you agree about the smoothness factor no and again i think and that's what we try to tell our guys all the time we put a lot and a lot of coaches do we're not the only ones but a lot of people put and you even see it i I always make bad sports analogies but i try to give 
generalization of things, but when like quarterbacks just don't go out there and play and just pass it to the open guy. They put a ton of time into the prep and to so to slow their brain down. And I think that's what BJ. He's his IQ is so high that the game moves slower. You know, it's not that you don't have to be the most athletic guy out there. I think you can put any coach who was a former player out on the court and he can still function in a game because he knows the game. And so when you know the game, everything slows down for you. And then you really start to see things. So some guys can't slow the game down with their mind and then they get themselves in trouble. Uh, BJ has that unique ability because of his basketball IQ. The game moves slower for him because he understands the game and can read the defense behind just where the ball is. So many parents, girlfriends, grandpas, all they watch is the ball. You know, BJ, and a lot of the action is really not the ball. It's everything on behind the ball uh, that, that coaches watch and point guards are supposed to be watching. So uh, he has a really good knack and a really good head on his shoulders as it relates to a basketball IQ, which helps slow the game down, which allows for him to play in that smooth, uh, almost gliding on water type of, of game. All right, B.J. Ward is here, and we will talk with him. He's enjoying something over there, delicious, of course, from the Wings menu. We'll find out what that is. Uh, with B.J. Ward, it's the Red Hawks Coaches Show in Jackson. Don't forget, we're in Dexter next week on SEMO, ES Wings, etc. B.J. Ward is our guest. B.J., how are things? Good. How you doing? Doing great. Uh, tell us about what uh, you have over there. you got a basket, and uh, it looks like it could be wings. i got lemon pepper wings. Lemon pepper. All right, we had uh, Braxton Stacker on, and he was one of the few guys that said, no, no, boneless. <laughs> I go boneless. Most of the guys are bone in. B.J. Ward is bone in. Bone in. All right. So you, you've got to make sure you're right next to the paper pal, towel dispenser. And ironically, it is almost literally touching your basket over there. And then you can get those little wipies, right? The little yeah, wipes yeah. to make sure you get everything cleaned up. Yep. Lemon pepper, you got a, you got a second uh, go-to flavor? It'll be mild, if anything. Yeah, okay. mild. All right, so it's lemon pepper and mild. All right, uh, so here you are, three-quarters, I would say maybe seven-eighths of the way into your uh, freshman season. Uh, I know, you know, just everybody believes, hey, it's not going to be a big transition for me, Division One, you know, because you've always been probably uh, the best or one of the best players that, uh, on any team that you played on. Uh, what was the first indoctrination into division one basketball was it faster than you thought it was going to be was it what you thought it was going to be uh it was everything what i thought it was going to be but it was a little faster though um just guys like shoot threes and then guys coming to actually like while you're shooting it it just rattled me a little bit when i first started so one thing that you're saying is in high school i could get the three away in college these guys are quicker more athletic maybe longer and they're closing out on a shot like that. You're not getting looks like you did at the high school level. Yeah, I got to get it off a little faster, if anything. Yep. All right. Uh, the one thing that I keep talking to Coach Corn about uh, is what I believe should be a mandate that you should have to shoot at least four of your runners every game because three out of four <laughs> go in. That runner always goes in first of all when did that come about and how often do you work on that shot it is a fabulous shot it's been like my go-to move since like the second grade second grade yeah i've been using it for a while i have videos like mixtapes in second grade you just some floaters that's it 
I, we need to see at least four per game. Can we can we get some I, more floaters? I got to be more confident getting in the paint. All right. Uh, so what was it like playing at Chaminade? You were a Red Devil. And, uh, boy, your senior year, you almost had 200 assists in a high school season. Uh, and in the Final Four, Class 6, that's the big boy, that's the big boy class, uh, you guys made it to the Final Four two years in a row. That had to be fun. Yeah, uh, freshman year, we made it, but COVID happened, and we couldn't play the Final Four game. Like the SEMO women, they won the tournament, couldn't go to the NCAA Yeah, tournament. it's crazy. All right, so uh, what was it like playing in the Final Four? It was like my sophomore year was my first time, uh, a little nervous. We played Kickapoo. They had three D1 athletes. One, two of them went to Mizzou, and then one went to Missouri State. And that was just like my first real test, like that year. And they ended up blowing us out that game. But it was like I played good that game, and it was like my first real test of showing who I can really be as a player. So when you, uh, the team loses, but you have a really good game, it seems like it'd be kind of mixed reactions. Yeah, I'm glad I played well. We didn't win the game. What What's a guy think in a situation like that? Right after the game, I, was, I mean, I was crying. Like, I was mad. But a couple of days later, I watched the game back, and then I saw, like, what I could have did better. But, like, overall, I had a good game. You know, that's the old saying, that after a game, uh, especially a loss, you know, I've heard guys tell stories about you look in the mirror and just say, what could I have done better to help my team? Is that kind of yeah, where you're that's going? just like the game we had at SIUE. All right, let's talk about uh, the Final Fours that you did go to uh, your senior year, Final Four? No. Oh, junior year. Yep. Okay, tell us about uh, your junior year. Uh, we played CBC. I think we beat them once that year, and we beat them the first time we played them, and we played them twice every year. The second time we played them at their career, when they beat us by like eight. And then in the final four, we Rob ended up going for like 30. He had like a great game, and then like the whole team was just playing well. And then we couldn't hit a shot for some reason. We played in Missouri State. It was our second year playing there. We played in the big gym. It's just nothing was falling for us, and like we couldn't hit it. None of our three. He hit like two threes that game. And John Bowe was a presence in the paint, so, like, my floaters, like, he was blocking all of them. It was just – it wasn't a good game for me totally my final four year. So playing against Rob uh, in high school, I mean, a lot of these guys in St. Louis, you guys are all networked together, right? You know each other, friends with a lot of these guys. Yeah, like Braxton, we grew up playing with each other. And Rob, me and Braxton actually grew up playing against them. So we actually knew each other since, like – me and Rob, I knew, knew Rob since, like, kindergarten. And I knew Braxton, we played each other since the second grade. Was Braxton always uh, the best athlete around? Yes, always. He's good dunks since like the sixth or seventh grade. Unbelievable. Yeah, always athletic. Can you dunk? I can dunk. Yes, you can? For sure. For sure. Are we going to see one before the season's over? Yeah, I got you. Okay. All right. I understand. So uh, if, if there's a dunk contest uh, in practice or after practice, can anybody challenge Braxton? Quan Smart, really? Yes. All right. Have they have they gone head to head? Have they have they have they done? Because I mean, we're coming off All Star Weekend in the NBA. We just had the dunk contest two years in a row. A guy from the G League wins the dunk contest. He's uh, fantastic. But uh, did they ever? Let's go. No, at the practice we always our legs be dead, so yeah. we need to sit down for a minute. All right. And you know the old saying is a lot of uh, coaches they want to shoot free throws at the end of practice, so you have legs like that to simulate late in a ball game where you are tired and tired legs sometimes shots at the front of the rim 
Uh, how about that shooting free throws? Uh, you know when you when you're tired. Yeah, it always helps like for in game purposes. But I mean, at the practice, like you were like you would hate it, like you wouldn't want to do it. But it always helps you at the end. Like in, in the games, they always help you in the long run, basically. So in practice, when you're running a particular drill, which drill do you roll your eyes at and say, oh, man, I hate this drill? It will probably be at the start of practice when we do 7-5-3, basically like 7 now, explain explain to people that may not know what 7-5-3 is. So basically it's uh, seven touches, so like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and it's for 42 seconds. And you go you baseline to baseline, or you go into free throw line, baseline, half court? Baseline. Ba- okay. It's 40, 42 seconds, and then it's we do five, which is 30 seconds, and then we do three, which is 17 and we do that before. We did that before every practice. And you're like, thinking, if I'm dead tired, how am I gonna? Now we gotta practice. Yeah, I used to all, like, I used to always be last, like the first drill. I I was so tired at the seven five three. Now I remember in football we called them gassers. The guys are you know early you know early practices. It's two a days. You know guys are not in pristine shape. You run the same gassers late in the season. You know, you're in much better shape. Guys are throwing up on the sideline, running gases. Uh, did you ever play any uh, anything other than basketball? Uh, middle school, I played football. Uh, I didn't really, like, we didn't run gases in middle school for some reason. We didn't do conditioning with football except middle school. In middle school, what uh, position did you play? Uh, I played quarterback and wide receiver. All right. Did you like it? I like quarterback. I like. I didn't throw the ball. I always ran the ball. Though. So you're a, you're a running quarterback? Yeah, I was Lamar Jackson. <laughs> uh, so do you... Follow football. I mean, we've got uh, one team in this state. They play in Kansas City. Uh, do, you, do you follow football at all? Do you follow what the Chiefs have been doing? I don't follow NFL, but I follow college football. Okay. A lot of my friends play college, and I watch their games. So, like, that's the only time I really watch football. All right. Tell us uh, some of the teams that you follow, some of the guys you follow. Uh, Michigan. You know, Marquez Brothers sure. there. Um, it's some D2 schools that some of my friends go to. Ball State is one of my high school friends. He plays there. Uh, Oklahoma State, one again, one of my seminar friends plays there. And then, trying to think of my school. Alabama, one of my, like, um, the one of the, he plays like linemen. Okay. And I grew up playing basketball with him, and he's playing at Alabama now, so I watch their games. Harder to play basketball or football? Uh, it was well, you only had middle school. Huh? It was easier for me to play football. Easier to play football. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, since you didn't do conditioning in uh, in uh, grade school, it's a different kind of being in shape, football shape, basketball shape, uh, totally different. Yeah, so, way different. Yeah. So when uh, when you decided that uh, you were thinking about SEMO, he said that you'd been recruited since you were a sophomore. Uh, how oftentimes you get in group texts or you're talking to other guys uh, trying to get a, a scouting report on, uh, okay, what's it like to, to be at SEMO? And, you know, Phil Russell's a St. Louis guy. I'm sure you're, you know, probably buddies with Phil. Yeah, I talked I talk to Phil before I rec- before I committed, like two weeks before I committed. And he was like, he was just telling me, like, what all they do with practice and then how the coaches are and all that stuff. That's what really made me commit. Like, when I came on my official visit, um, like, the coaches, like, they was already, like, they were, were cool with each other. But it showed me a different level of, like, what they were doing and what they could be. So Saturday, uh, when you're playing SIU Edwardsville, what's it like to try and close out a guy like Rayshon Taylor when they just get hot? I mean, you, 
some of the elite players you've played against in your career in St. Louis High School. I mean, guys are going big time Division One. You played against some good players. I mean, what's it like to try to figure out how to slow down a guy when he gets in the zone like Taylor was? Uh, somebody like that, he's a great shooter, but we just got to run him off the line, make sure like he doesn't catch it on the line. And if he does catch the ball, make sure he catches it like three, four feet behind the line. And sometimes he hit that. Like he hit one that game, but he's not going to continue and hit those shots. The shots that he did make, it was like he, we lost him a couple times and he hit some on the three-point line. But he did hit one that was far away, but he's not going to continue to make those shots. So – as a point guard, uh, you played against some great athletes in high school. What's it like as a freshman? You know, I have a lot of D1 experience playing point guard because they're going to throw everything they can at you, try to take the ball, disrupt your rhythm. How much of a challenge did you find that to be, ooh, this may be a little tougher. If I'm running the show, if I'm trying to bring the ball up against the press, if I'm trying to bring the ball or make a move against a guy who's an elite defender who's taller than me and maybe longer than me. Uh, it's not really about, like, what they do. It's about having confidence in myself, and that's what I struggled with a lot this year. I'm not really confident, like, in what I was doing. And the two weeks that I had, like, that were great. I was very confident in myself. You could see it in practice, everything I was doing, I was confident. But it's just keeping that confidence and being consistent. So what uh, what do the coaches say? Key to keeping confidence. I know in baseball they kind of say you can't hit unless you have confidence. You can't have confidence unless you hit. Seems like a – is it the same thing in basketball? Yeah, it's just basically getting the reps up, like, after practice. Even in practice, it's taking every rep serious. And uh, how many shots do you get up a day? Four. About, I get about 400 makes up. And sometimes uh, your teammates will go out there with you, coaches, and tell tell everybody that, that may not know what the shooting gun is. Uh, it's basically like it's a machine where – it, it surrounds the basket, so when you shoot, it doesn't. The ball rarely like bounces out anywhere. It just goes down this little hole, and then it shoots out like wherever you aim it. How often do you use the gun? Every time I'm shooting. Okay. So do you go out there with coaches or say, "Hey, coach, can you come out and I, I want to get some shots up"? Uh, most of the time, it's me and Braxton, and okay. we just use the gun, and basically we just get mid range and some threes up every day. You know, Braxton has hit some uh, some big three point shots this year. You, are you starting to see him? Kind of zero in his range from behind the arc? Yeah. Um, at first, he had, like, this tape on his wrist, and it was kind of, like, messing up his form. He couldn't really bend his wrist or flick his wrist all the way. But ever since he took it off, he's been shooting great. How about that? I mean, how, how awkward would that be? I mean, I'm sure at some point you had to wrap a thumb or you had to wrap a wrist. I mean, you can't play basketball and never hurt a hand or a wrist. I mean, it's adversity. You always got to go through and you got to push through. I mean, he pushed through, and once he got it off, he started hitting. All right. Do you like playing point guard more, shooting guard more, and what's it like to be out there when you got two point guards, you and Rob, and uh, you know you, you guys just kind of mix and match uh, depending on what uh, you know what schemes you're running. Uh, I mean, I like playing a point guard more because uh, mainly I have the ball in my hands, and then like Coach said, I'm a very IQ guy, and I know wherever everybody should be, and it's just I could see the like whole floor, and it's easier for me to make passes or, like, get to my pull-up or get to my floater, which has been great this year. And then me, me, me and Rob being on the floor together, it's just been, like, at first it was a little weird because we both wanted the ball, and we were both point guards. But as the season going on, we both had to accept that we were point guards. And one time it was a game where Rob was, like, he wasn't playing great, but he was in the game when I was in the game, and I wouldn't go get the ball. And his games where I was play, wasn't playing great, he got the ball. It's just finding that balance.
So high school offenses are much different than Division One collegiate offenses. How big of a transition was that? Man, this, this seems a little complicated, but with reps, you kind of figure it out. How challenging is it uh, to go to a Brad Corn offensive scheme than what you saw at CBC? Um, at Chaminade, we played, we basically, we didn't really, we had plays, but we didn't really, like, run them. We, put, we ran a play at the beginning of the game, coming out of halftime, coming out of timeouts. But other than that, we didn't run plays. Here, like, when we get stops, like, we're not, we're not running a play, but it's a lot of dead balls in, in college. And we run, we have a lot of plays that we have to memorize. And I, it's been a couple times where I forgot plays. But I have my teammates who know him, and I just ask them, and then they tell me what to do. B.J. Ward, our guest, uh, best player you've ever played against? Or a um, couple of the best players you played, played against? It would be Patrick Baldwin. We okay. played him my freshman year in Highland. I think he gave us 27. And where did he go play? I played at Milwaukee with his dad. Okay. I think he was on the Golden State Warriors for a while. I don't know where he is now, though. That's pretty cool playing against somebody that uh, that played in the NBA. Yeah. You got a favorite NBA team? The Lakers. Well, I'm a LeBron fan, so okay. wherever LeBron goes, I'll go. All right. Do you think uh, Bronny's going to gonna make the league? I know he wants to kind of hang around. He's not even a starter yet for, for USC. Uh, I mean, he can make it. I mean, he's LeBron's son. All right, you guys, uh, here we go. Four games left. You're only one game in the loss column out of eighth place where you need to get uh, for the OVC tournament, that, the game against Southern Indiana. That's going to decide a tiebreaker. You split with Tennessee Tech. Uh, what's the thought process here? Because not only uh, do you have to play these final four games, but the first three of the four are the teams that are in first. They're, they're the hottest teams in the league, along with Moorhead State. Uh, no pressure, but, like, these are really, like, must-win games. And we they're very winnable games. We just have to play together, play hard, play as a team, which we have been doing. Like, we played in SIUE. We just can't play how we played against U- EIU. All right. Uh, it's going to be Thursday night at home. Little Rock, they've won five in a row. Uh, time to put an end to that winning streak. Yeah, we we went to that crib, and we had, like, we took, we had, what did, I forgot. What was the score? We played them. How much did we lose by? No, it was a close game. Yeah, it was a close game, and now we're playing in our crib, and we're playing better now. It was 66-61. Yeah, we're playing better now. We're playing better at home, too. So I feel like we have a great chance of being Little Rock. And in the Little Rock game, uh, the two plays that I remember, Marquez Bell's alley-oop at the end of the half to Braxton, and then that Dunk yeah, yeah. by Marquez Bell. What, what, what were you guys talking about uh, in practice uh, following uh, that play where he threw the dunk down? And he he appeared to be a little excited after he dunked it. Yeah, me and Marquez, we always was like, who was going to have a first in-game dunk? And I, he beat me to it, so I had to pay him, I had to pay him some money for that. How, how fun is it playing with that guy? He seems like he just loves basketball. Yeah, he, he always has great energy, and he always brings positive vibes. All right. He goes. It's going to be Little Rock at the Show Me Center Thursday night. BJ, great catching up with you. We'll see you Thursday night. Thanks. Thank you. BJ Ward. Coach Korn, a final word when we come back from this timeout. One final time. Come back. Final moments here on the Red Hawks Coaches Show with Coach Brad Korn. Great job by B.J. Ward. He is boxing up his lemon pepper wings as we speak, taking them with him. You guys have already practiced today, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, we typically break up the week at this point in the season. 
and we'll do some individual workouts on Monday and then the lift weights. And, uh, again, if you're practicing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, by the time Thursday rolls around, uh, you don't want it to get boring, keep guys excited. And then also, too, Eric, just continue to get better. Each guy has certain things that they can do. You know, and it's not a one-size-fits-all uh, thing at this point in the season. So I think it's a good thing. I think it keeps the assistants engaged. It doesn't uh, wear the players out. It doesn't wear the coaches out. You keep it fresh. We'll get back to more of a – and then Tuesdays we typically go like a, a shortened, condensed mini practice, if you will. And then Wednesdays full-on regular practice. And then that's kind of the, kind of the routine that we – we stick to as you get into after about the first two to three weeks of the real conference season. It's about kind of the, the, the schedule that we stick to. All right. Uh, you're one game behind eighth place in the loss column. You still have four games left. Uh, schedule makers didn't do you any favors. you got to play the top, arguably the top three teams the next three games. It's Little Rock. It's Martin. It's at Moorhead. Yeah, and it's, you know, if you're going to make a move, if you're going to be playing your best at the end, you're going to have to beat the best. You know, and so, uh, which you did last year on your way to the championship. Yeah, and even then we lost two straight heading into conference play. So, uh, flip that script. Again, it's not going to be easy, but none of it is. And if it was easy, you wouldn't want to do it. And so, I think we've got the guys with that type of mentality. You know, you heard BJ say, uh, playing together as a team and playing better of late. Even though we had that uh, game against EIU, I, I still feel that we are playing better than we were early. So. If we can tap into that a little bit more consistently, get a couple guys on the same page offensively and defensively for longer stretches, we can put ourselves in, in a good spot and, um, again, get in the tournament and rely on the, the past history that we've had of playing well uh, over there. I think we're 5-2 and two in OVC tournament play uh, since we've been here. So um, if we can rely on that uh, history and that success that we've had over there, then uh, anything is possible. But, um, you know, and, and again, a lot of things are going to happen. Even if one game, you don't have to put pressure on yourself to go four and zero. Saturday doesn't matter. Next Thursday doesn't matter. Next Saturday doesn't matter if you don't take care of this Thursday. So that's got to be the mindset. That's got to be the focus. Protect the show me son in the last two games at home, and um, you know you go from there. So it's a day at a time. It's one and zero each and every time you play. What type of a mentality, and then see where you're at uh, here in the next two weeks little rock is the hottest team in the league they've won five in a row they'll be here on thursday your thoughts on the trojans yeah very physical inside the arc again another one of those teams that we played at the top of the league western them uh, siue uh, played played them down to the wire had, had the ball had the lead uh, late in the second half so i fully expect our guys to be ready they're going to probably zone us more than we saw the last time i think we'll see a little bit more zone so we have to be ready for zone, but we have to match physicality. We can't be, we can't have the rebounding effort that we had Saturday against them on Thursday. I think we're going to come away with a victory. Or like EIU, it's 48, 28 points yeah, in the paint. You, that thing can be over at halftime. We can yeah. all play the way we did against Eastern. So uh, we can't do that. I think our guys know that and understand that. But now, can you can you do that? It's one thing to say. It's another thing to do it. So uh, KK Robinson has been playing lights out uh, lately. Their point guard. So that's going to be a big matchup because he didn't have a huge game against us last time. Uh, but I, I, I think our guys have some confidence in the fact the way we played over there the first time. So I think that we'll be ready to go. Uh, they're going to know their hottest team. Our guys, you heard BJ, if a freshman knows what's at stake, the rest of the guys know what is at stake as well. So uh, here it is. got to go do it. you got to go earn it. And, if you, again, if you're going to do it, do it against the best, the teams that are playing the best right now. Because now if you're beating the best at this time there, you now have put yourself in the conversation again. It can be the same way for us. We're talking about it, know it's who you play, but when you play them, 
we got to be that team. And OVC tournament, everyone says, man, I really don't want to play those guys. They're playing well. All right, it's interesting. Uh, it's going to be a 7 o'clock tip. Now, the yeah. reason is the women have a game on ESPNU at 4 o'clock, odd start time. So you know you're going at 7. Normally, you know, if it's you might start at 7.40, you might start at 7.40. We know you're going at 7 o'clock at the Show Me Center on Thursday, and then uh, Martin comes in 345 Saturday. Coach, we'll, we'll see you at the Show Me Center. Thanks so much for the time. Okay, sounds good, Eric. We're in Dexter next week. I'll be there. All right. <laughs> Just, Coach Brad Corn, that's going to do it. Thanks to Rachel Cook, our engineer on site. Thanks to B.J. Ward. Great job. Our ESPN radio coverage continues next. Thanks for joining us. So long from Wings Etc. You're home for everything sports.